0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Can you do me a couple of ones in a change, Bill? Yeah. Fag Machine takes once, don't you?
1: Yeah, it? yeah. Hey, whoa, 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 don't do that. No point doing that. Give him the tenner back, right? You give him the fiver and the fifty, right? Give him that back. So you take that and you just give him the free ones, right? Give him the free ones, that's it. Now you give him thirty, right? <laughs> You give me 10, Bob, back, and you, if I'm right, 22 pence. (laughs) That's wrong, isn't it?
2: Simon Day and Friends, featuring Billy Bleach and Dave Angel from BBC's The Fast Show. Friday, July 3rd, 8.30, live on Facebook. Tickets only £5. Go to biletto.co.uk and search Simon Day and Friends. A Scottish football podcast that isn't obsessed with just two teams niche nonsense or surprisingly brilliant you decide the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast the cult Scottish football podcast now adapted into a hit TV show search the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast on your chosen podcast player now a champion finally Mark finally
1: thank you coronation (laughs) oh sorry you're not me who are you talking about you know who I'm talking about. the mighty, the, of course, the mighty of Liverbirds. Yeah, incredible. Yes, congratulations to Liverpool. Um, we're all delighted for you. Well done. Um, yeah, they've been great, haven't they, Martin? I mean, that's what we talk about for the first part of this podcast. Let's not do it now.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. Them uh, And and obviously the Premier League uh, touching upon all of them. Um, second half, we come on to a bit of FA Cup because that just happened.
1: Um, it just happened. It did. I love the FA Cup, but uh, I. That just yeah, oh, you'll hear it. I just feel like something's missing, and it's not the FA Cup's fault, man. It's this goddamn ruddy pandemic.
2: Yes, uh, we were lucky enough to be joined by Gareth uh, Dobson, who was great as ever. Um, so yeah, listen, everyone, enjoy yeah, the yeah. pod
1: listen and do enjoy it but also listen out for probably half the amount of time that martin gritton talks for during this show he's like you can hear a bit of food in his teeth he's all chewing around it's, it's, it's grotesque to be honest i'm pleased don't have to see it and i don't either i can just hear it
2: autonomous sensory meridian response markers is, is, is what that what asmr
1: is i believe so hope you enjoy the podcast everybody Okay,
2: so welcome to the Whistleblowers, back uh, for maybe our second pod where we've actually got some football back. Um, we did a preview one before, but this is the second one. And something to celebrate already, um, uh, delighted to see I'm joined by Gareth Dobson and Mr. Mark Smith. Even gents. Gareth, how are you?
0: I am very well, thank you. I'm
1: excited that I get to watch football every day.
0: Is, is that, that the mechanism. thing
1: that we've got to celebrate, Martin, that, that me and Gareth are on the podcast? What well, did you well, mean, Liverpool's f- tremendous victory?
2: A bit, well, just everything really. It's just a, you know one one big celebration, <laughs> one big happy yeah. family, aren't
1: we? <laughs> I suppose we are.
2: Um, well, let's come on to that because obviously we can't ignore. Martin, it again, are you eating?
1: But- are you eating something at the start of a podcast?
2: No, no. There was just something that was in my mouth. You know the size of my mouth, Mark. It was probably just something in the back that <laughs> dropped out. You know, like in Police Squad, where he just knocks the side of his mouth and a, and a bunch of bananas falls down. Um,
1: Martin There
2: <laughs> There is similarities between the production values of this. Um, uh, and no, no, it's not besmirching Leon at all. It's just perhaps I slapped the point, Martin. Attitude. What are you going to
1: say? Say say something about football quickly.
2: Liverpool. <laughs> Liverpool won the league. So yes. it finally happened, perhaps the most long drawn out coronation since, well, fucking Prince Charles, whatever. Um I'm sure that joke <laughs> works if Prince Charles was actually coronated. But um, Mark, yeah. it finally happened.
1: Yeah, it did finally happen. Um, it's it's a strange one, isn't it? Because they, they're they both sort of the, the earliest winners of the league and also the latest due to the sort of two or three months we had off. Um, it's been coming since, I think, probably November. We sort of felt like it was done. Um, I still think City can do it. I still think so. <laughs> yeah, you, you've been saying this. To, to be fair to you, you're by your guns. Um, I don't think they can. <laughs> I'm prepared to put my neck on the block and say, I don't think Man City can win the league this year. Right. But Liverpool, um, it, it's been a bit of a procession. And this is, it is, they've just been so much better than everybody else. Or maybe that's wrong, but they've been so much more uh, relentless and consistent than anyone else because actually even though Liverpool have been superb. They haven't been as swashbuckling as, as exciting as they happened in previous years, but look where it got them. You know, didn't get them anywhere in the past. They, they had a great season last season, but were pipped to it by Man City. And they found that actually just playing winning football is a much better way of going about it. And so yeah. we've got a situation where Liverpool are quite rightly one of the, you know, on course to be maybe the highest points total in history. Um, and yeah i mean they should they should absolutely be reveling in it at the moment as i i'm uh, sure they are i think i've muted them all on twitter so i don't know for sure but it feels like <laughs> they're probably really going for it and fair play to them
2: well yeah i think that's it's good time to bring you in here gareth i, I will say it with very much the understanding that you're a tottenham fan and the divergence of the two teams since you you know you were both kings of europe in in your own way so um, what's your take on it with them? Um, Hopefully, some some better comment.
0: Um, I mean, I, I was reading a, an interesting sports article uh, today, which made the point that essentially two years ago, you know, you could argue Spurs had had the better sort of four or five years of it, um, and the difference is, is that you know Liverpool's owners backed the manager, and uh, Spurs' owners did not back the manager. Uh, one won the Champions League and the league title, and the other one picked up Jose Mourinho.
1: So, yeah, I'm not bitter at all. Well, That's the real prize, getting Jose as boss. That's that's <laughs> worth a thousand trophies, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I mean, he guarantees trophies wherever he
0: goes. So, the fact that we're out of all the competitions apparently is not important. We'll still
1: win one. Yeah, I think that you got a good shot at the the Audi Cup pre-season tournament this year. Yeah, I
0: I, I feel confident. I think we've got a chance. We'll have to see. But, yeah, it's... Yeah, obviously Liverpool have been brilliant. I, I agree with everything Mark said about, you know, they're not, Liverpool were not quite as sort of swashbuckling and as exciting as, as they were last season. But, you know, they've been all, you know, Manchester City-like in how, you know, how ruthless and how how pretty efficient they are. You know, the the qualities they really showed this year, I think, were defensively more than anything else. And this, this dogged resilience to go and win 1-0 when previously they may have got a nil-nil draw. And um, yeah. I will say that, you know, it's, it, I think it was really great for the fans that, you know, their last competitive game of the season, as it will. Yeah. They, they did go and absolutely shellac crystal palace. And it yeah. was a nice yeah. way to kind of, uh, you know, round things off after a fairly sort of tepid
1: Merseyside derby. Yeah. You mentioned well, there, Gareth, about the, the fact that they are sort of resilient and they've got so much mental fortitude. And I think, I think you can pinpoint a a moment in history where this started happening. Do you remember a few years ago, maybe three or four, maybe five seasons, I think it's four seasons ago, and they beat West Brom. Well, No, they drew with West Brom. They got a last-minute equaliser at home to West Brom. And Klopp took the entire team over to the Kop to celebrate. And they were all linked in arms, and they all sort of did a you know, like um, a team bonding thing with the with the crowd there. And everyone took the piss relentlessly for weeks. Myself included. We were saying, why are you celebrating a, a one-all draw at home to West Brom? But that was just sowing the seeds, wasn't it? That was that was Klopp getting all the players, all the fans together, getting a resilience amongst that squad and amongst that, that city, essentially. And now we're seeing the dividends of that. We're seeing it all pay off for that four years down the line. We're seeing a, a team that you know, man for man, apart from the front three and and probably uh, Van Dyke, not many of them get into the Man City side. Trent does as well, and the other fullback Robertson. But the midfield doesn't get in that Man City side. But he's created this unit, and that's psychological and it's physical. He's created this unit of players who understand their roles, all play for each other, and as we've seen, just churn out result after result. And it's not just this season; it's the last eighteen months. They've been unbelievable since last christmas the one before last
0: yeah
2: i was expecting you to be slightly um more verbose about that gareth but uh, okay
0: <laughs> i can mean, be I mean, no i agree i that i, in I your throat. Throat. Um, um, uh, that sorry that run uh chasing manchester city even though i think at some point it felt quite obvious last year that you know city weren't going to drop points liverpool never wavered and they kept going blow for blow and I do think that, that that sort of kept them in, in in good stead for this
1: year as well. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Martin, um, I'm going to say something now and you might disagree with it. Uh, it's not the way you want to win a league though, is it? It can't be the way that you dream about it as a schoolboy. You know, not even on the pitch, watching Man City play b- behind closed doors against Chelsea with no fans in the stadium. Is that is that the way you want to win it or do you just not care?
2: No, well, I think they look at the culmination. I think we're, we're, when you talk about building on from that moment in West against West Bromwich, uh, building that mentality, it was the culmination of, of four years' work, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and if you look at the way that they've gone about it, it's almost like a project. When you hear, you see interviews with Klopp, and he says, you know, when, when he first signed for the club and joined the club, and he's like, you know, judge me in four years' time, and you know, and uh, uh, we should have, you know, we should have a title within that time
1: judge me after the pandemic and was like what? <laughs> nothing nothing <laughs> but
2: interesting I want to come back to your point about City and I know that I'm always a the horn about you know how the quality of the City team but individually if you look at Liverpool I've, I've, the, start, the startling fact for me was I didn't realise Henderson, Henderson's been captain since 2015 and since that time he's played 337 games you know and that's that's incredible I mean that guy's going to play 500 games for Liverpool easy you know and Easy. if you look at yeah. that that's legend status that's incredible he's he's and should himself be in, yeah and and the, uh, correct He absolutely should be but would you say that in 2015 and no but
1: at- i think this is what klopp's done Kl- klopp has managed yeah. to to bring in players who had a bit of a bit of a point to prove some of them had a bit of a chip on their shoulder in a very positive way you look at someone like um henderson who people sort of took the mick a fair bit I mean Alex Ferguson in his in his biography talked about how Henderson wasn't quite right and they they, he was overlooked for uh, a physical reason something to do with the way he ran or something he was he was sort of stonewalled by United you have players like Salah who didn't quite make it at Chelsea so he's got something to prove you have Mane who's come from a a team in the bottom half of the table Van Dijk the same yeah these are all people with with points to prove and I mean I noticed when when I started saying there that no Liverpool players will get into the Man City side. I then went on to list about seven of them that would. So, uh, I am basically full of shit.
2: Well, uh, I'm glad you finally admitted to that. And Gareth, <laughs> uh, they're on 32. Well, sorry, they're on 28 wins at the minute. Records, records, 32. They've got seven games left. Can
0: they do it? Uh, they definitely can. It'll be, I think, uh, the game on Thursday against Man City will be a good litmus test for how committed they're going to be to finish the season, you know, with a flourish. Um, If they go at it, you know, hell for leather against Man City and and, and give them a a real game, I think that might be an indicator that they're going to want to crack records. I I, I think um, the season has been so long and so drawn out that it's easy to lose perspective over the course of the season. You kind of forget, you know, how how it it played out, and I, I do think that Liverpool might want to kind of put their stamp on things and make it a uh, you know memorable for quite how they achieved the, the title. Mm. I think that's yeah, uh, you make an excellent point. I think that's uh, they, that that's the kind of game that
2: just draws a line under it, doesn't it? So, there can be no doubt, you know, that, uh, between the two. Um, so so hopefully it's just, uh, everything it's built to be. Um, just coming on to that, looking at the you know the, not wanting it to fizzle out. That was a quote from Chris Wilder actually to his players because obviously they've struggled, but they're not the only ones, you know. So um, let's look at the bottom half of the table and even just look at some of the teams that have struggled to come back in. Mark, who's been your kind of pick from the teams that just haven't been able to get going again?
1: Uh, well, I think I think you put the nail on the head straight away there, grits for once. Sheffield um, United, definitely Sheffield United, I mean, a team a team that looks like they've had two seasons off compared to where they were a couple of months ago. They, um, I don't know if they, they have overtrained or undertrained or what, but they, they, this feels now like a team that's in their second season and everyone else has figured them out. And I can't really work out what it is. I can't put my finger on it because the intensity is still there as you'd expect from any Chris Wilder team, but it's just, something's just not clicking with that side at the minute. um, yeah I don't I don't know I mean there's a few teams what, Sorry go What's on. the
2: what's the thing that's not lacking what's the one thing that's not lacking that might be a factor
1: Uh is this a trick question No what's not but, lacking
2: I would say I would say the Sheffield crowd somewhat Gareth what do you reckon <clears throat>
0: Um <laughs> they it's it's
2: Bueller, guys, 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 come with me on this journey.
0: Come on.
1: No, go on, Martin. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. <laughs> if, if you can see me, you can see me nodding very sagely. I me, it, that's like one of your ones when you just throw
2: someone under the bus, Mark, and then just kind of wait for them to <laughs> I go, don't come ask on,
1: come odd on. questions or that.
0: <laughs> I, I'd say it's worth noting that, you know, Sheffield United were sliding a little bit, or the momentum was slowing down a little bit. Sliding is probably a little, bit, a little bit harsh. So, I think it would have been a huge ask to, you know, to think that they could come out of lockdown and kind of almost hit back to where they were in you know September through through December. But I mean, it's impossible to discount the crowd, and it's obviously a wider conversation about you know how you know home advantage has been has been neutralised somewhat, and it does seem like the, the the better teams in in a in a duel seem to be seem to be winning. Um, these games, but it's also, you know, it. I, I I think the the bottom three have only picked up like single digit points between yeah, them in right. the thirteen games they they they've played collectively. So it's, you know, I I think that does speak to the fact that you know home advantage was was apparently very real.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I suppose I was just highlighting the point that it's something that was kind of glaringly obvious, but yeah, it doesn't necessarily point to the fact that that's all Sheffield relied on. And I think you're right, I think momentum was a big thing for them. That that ridiculous fact that the bottom five haven't won a game. It's just, mm, you know, yeah. and people talk, and West Ham was like, well, they're going to get dragged into this. And it's just like, well, oh, hang on a minute, this team's just are playing that much worse than them but they've got they've got a very tricky game tomorrow night i mean chelsea come to visit and that could be a real a a real a real blow to them if if chelsea yeah take them to town
1: but also that that's one of those games that historically you think about you know a west ham home crowd against chelsea huge rivals they really hate each other but I think even since they moved to the new stadium even the home advantage it's not the same as it was at Upton Park is it you're not you don't have that tight pitch you don't have those the fans right on top of you as an away player and where you are now I mean the stadium's beautiful and it's, it's great uh, I'm not completely sure it's great as a as a punter to watch with the how far you are from the um, from the action but for an away player it's absolutely heaven isn't it
2: well, I mean, I know that they do have a good record against Chelsea there, but I, I take what you're saying absolutely. They're, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A very different setup. Um, you know, let's you know, <clears throat> let's look into that later because uh, after tomorrow next game, it's going to be, it's going to be uh, quite obvious who are the teams that are going to be fighting out over the last few games. Gareth, who's your uh, kind of favourites for the drop at the minute?
0: Uh, unfortunately, I, I think uh, Aston Villa are spiralling. Um, which is just disappointing because I, I think, yeah, they, they've been quite a good team to watch and they've they've had their fair share of adventure, especially in the League Cup. Um, so they're one, it's, I do wonder whether Watford, uh, you know, the, the new manager Bounce has sort of finished. Um, Nigel Pearson's an interesting character. He looked very impressive for the first few games. And now it, you know, especially the game uh, in, uh, past at the weekend just looked completely bereft of ideas to go and play this kind of long ball game against Burnley just just sound, seemed insane. But um, So those are, are two along with Norwich. Yeah,
1: not fair yeah Norwich are um, done on it.
0: Um, and, 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 well, Villa had four games in 11 days, which Dean
2: Smith was not amused about, but there you go. Well, listen, uh, let's, let's, let's wrap up the Premier League for now and uh, we'll come back and uh, talk epic up.
0: Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike,
1: e-bikes that are cool AF. All right, welcome
2: back. As promised,
1: I uh, uh, will Martin, are you eating uh, again? Are you eating in the breaks and then, and then bringing it into the main show?
2: And I think another bit just fell out of the back of my mouth. Um, so, uh, it's um, unacceptable.
1: <laughs> Anyways. Um, you think because we're working remotely, I can't hear you chewing away at something?
2: It's just one of those mics. It's that SA, SAMR, oh, it's
1: whatever pack. it is. All right, yeah, fine. You know what I mean? i just <laughs> got one of those. ASMR podcast.
2: Welcome. To yeah. The show. <laughs> I've just got one of them tacky <laughs> mouths. Um, and that's been said before. Uh, <laughs> where were we? FA Cup, Mark. Um, FA Cup what were your thoughts of the games at the weekend
1: um, well Martin I don't really want to use the sort of hackneyed phrase the magic of the FA Cup but I'm going to in this next few seconds um, it, it felt to me that there's never been a more clear weekend of FA Cup action where I felt like the magic of this tournament is absolutely dead and that's not to say it's dead forever and going forward it won't be great because it's a wonderful competition and the rest of this season might still be fantastic for the FA Cup but this weekend, it felt like we had a real opportunity there, and I think had had the crowds been in the stadiums, I think it would have been completely different. I mean, you look through the fixtures, you had Sheffield United at home to Arsenal. We've mentioned Sheffield United's crowd already, but that with a home crowd is a completely different proposition for Arsenal. Arsenal struggling a bit at the minute. You really fancy Sheffield United to, to get something there, it, even if it's a replay, you fancy to get something. Uh, Leicester at home to Chelsea. So again, the bigger team have gone through. All right, Leicester ahead of them in the league at the minute, but Chelsea are on the ascendance. And again, with a home crowd behind me, Fancy Leicester. Ditto Newcastle, Man City. Ditto Norwich, Man United. All the big teams went through. It just felt like there was nothing exciting. And and the games weren't particularly tight a lot of the time either. I mean, Norwich, let's talk about Norwich for a second. They are, I think we all agree, very, very likely to go down this season. They look like they've been cut adrift at the bottom of the league. They, They can still come back, but I doubt they will. They've got nothing really to play for, we don't think. They're playing against a United team that's got eight changes in it. And they really, I mean, all right, they've got an equaliser. But to me, they went out with a bit of a whimper. And that's got to be really, really depressing for for Farker there because he's a manager who I think will get another shot at the Premier League, whether that is with Norwich or someone else, I don't know. But it just felt like a very depressing day for Norwich. Um, as for the other teams that went went out as well, but for Norwich in particular, that felt like a, a bit of a, a full stop to their season already. I mean, Gareth, you're you're a Spurs fan. You've got a pretty good history of FA Cups, sort of. Uh, if the year ends in one, anyway, what do you what do you think of this season? I mean, should you, if you'd played full strength side throughout, do you think you'd have a shot at this? Do you care anymore? I I think I yeah I would have
0: cared because I even I despite myself was like well you know Mourinho is going to want to hold up a trophy at the end of his first season to show he can do it so you know the FA Cup seems like a, a real chance and you know th- I went to that game versus Norwich um, which was abysmal um, we went to a penalty yes. shootout. it was one of the last games before um, before the lockdown and it was you know Spurs had a lot of injuries but they also seemed you know unmotivated and not, you know, just not at the races. And um, I, you know, I, I do agree. I don't think the games were particularly uh, enthralling um, this weekend, but what I will say is there were, I, I guess, going back to the points we were making earlier, there felt like there were these little turning points in each game. So when Norwich got an LA equalizer, you could say, you know, if suddenly roared on by the Road crowd,
1: yeah, would they exactly.
0: have really turned the screw? Would they have, you know, really pressed, put Manchester United on the back foot? Obviously, there was a, a red card soon soon after, which kind of,
1: you know, put the kibosh on that. But um, there, was, there was no doubt about the red card there, was there? I think we all, do we all agree that was a red?
0: Yeah, I it, was, it was pretty clear and, and yeah, straightforward. Uh, the Newcastle game was interesting because obviously, even though Man City, you know, outclass them. There was again that one moment where where Gale should have made it 1-1, which would have been absolutely. intriguing. Um, and even though you, I guess objectively you still say Man City will get through it, can you imagine that crowd, you know, if they equalise? This is it.
1: This is, this is what I'm saying. These had the potential to be absolutely fantastic FA Cup games, all of them. And and it just felt like something died a little bit. And as I say, this isn't for the the whole of the FA Cup forever. It's just right now, This moment Uh, in this season. I mean,
0: the the one positive when you have these you know results that go to form is it does guarantee that the semi-finals and the final you know feel like real showpiece events. You know when you have Mm -hmm. Chelsea versus Manchester United and Man City versus Arsenal, maybe less so just because poor Arsenal have really had it handed to them by City for the last couple of years. But you know. That will be exciting. You know, it's, I looked at the fixtures this weekend. and was like, ah, sure, fine. We'll watch and see what happens. And, you know, yeah, going yeah. into late July when they hold the semifinals, but like, oh, this is great, especially because the the Premier League season would have, would have finished. So it'll be a nice kind of, uh you know, tail end to it all. Um I guess my, my big fear is I don't know how you play those games in a, a stadium the size of Wembley with no crowd. It's going to
1: feel... <laughs> yeah, Twilight well, zone stuff.
2: Well, I watched um Exeter versus Northampton in the play yeah. league two playoff yeah, yeah, yeah. in Wembley. Yeah. And do you know what, it was quite good, I quite enjoyed, well it was a good game. I mean Northampton absolutely thumped Exeter. Both good sides though and, and you know Northampton proved that they were the better team and I when I've seen them this season they've been, they've been absolutely excellent so deserved it uh, even though Exeter have been top of the bloody league all the, all the way Kind of up to before this, and and just kind of dropped out of the top three. So felt a little bit sorry for them, but that seems to be the way things go in the playoffs. Martin,
1: uh, Martin, yeah. descri- describe to me as a, as an ex-pro. Describe to me what it's like <clears throat> uh, playing in these these cavernous stadiums with 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 literally nobody there.
2: Well, for a man that's played a lot of reserve games, I'm, I'm very much used to. It. Uh, I, I quite, to be honest, you mentality wise, you do get you can get a real competition, you get a real edge going in the games. Um, I would say that I, I found it interesting, especially when Alan Algar was on, we were talking about the away advantage is eroded, and I really I really feel that, you know, because th- th- there just isn't, there isn't a hostility, there's no fear, you're, you're playing in a stadium, these pitches are perfect, it's it's interesting. The one thing, maybe there are lapses of concentration, because you're not, you know you're not being watched by all those people. Um, and, and at that level, I would imagine that just the quality will out. Um, you know, yeah, I, and yeah. almost interestingly, off the pitch, I'm, I'm kind of I'm I'm happier even and more so that the FA Cup's going to come to a conclusion because the FA announcing just really badly, you know, 130 people being made redundant or losing their positions and the FA out of all of the the kind of governing bodies are, um, in England need need to be sustainable and certainly need the money. So whether it's for sponsor reasons or whatever, getting this getting this done and actually being able to award the FA Cup to someone will probably be of great value to them. So,
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: I think there are greater things than the quality of the football sometimes. But I, I totally agree with you, Mark. I think it's sad, isn't it? You look at the amount of people that are watching the game. I mean, I saw that on the BBC side, like 6.4 million.
1: 6.5, yeah, 6.4, yeah. yeah. Huge numbers, huge yeah. numbers. I mean, the so the for football has never been it's never been bigger, and it's just a shame that it's it's taken something like this to get to get football on on a national channel to get to get football on BBC. But it just feels like um, it could be a missed opportunity. Well, of course, here. yeah, but of course, yeah. of course, like there'll be an asterisk next to whoever wins everything this season. It just feels very disappointing that the FA Cup is it's still the you know the proper. Oh, Your Majesty, meeting and be veg, all the traditional England stuff. FA Cup, that's what it's all about. And it just feels like it's been a little bit a little bit tainted this season. But it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter. Uh, we've got some breaking news, Martin. Breaking news, Gareth. Do you want to hear it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Leroy Sané will be joining Bayern Munich at the end of this season. That is according to build which is yes. the, uh, the German... And the BBC are now going with it as well. Oh, uh, so who has? BBC oh
2: fair enough that frees, uh, up, that frees up some budget uh, Um, for
1: yes Northern so Virginia. this is what I was going to ask uh, Man City will be strengthening I imagine this season let's assume that they they don't overturn the Champions League ban um, so they'll have no Champions League football they're still a club that can attract the best players in the world aren't they with, with one of the best coaches in the world yes
2: Ooh. I mean yes yes but the very best um, I think they'll, they'll have to look to development won't they look at the play, young players and um, you know, interesting to see. Uh, who was the lad that signed for Chelsea? Werner? Werner,
1: yeah. Timo Werner.
2: Yeah. Maybe Sancho. I mean, Sancho want to play Champions League. Um, he will. kind of look at the, that side of things. And also Pep. I mean, we haven't really heard much from Pep in I've heard positivity around him saying, like, right, you know, how are they going to compete with Liverpool next year? But that is a real blow to him, you know, because
1: that is... Absolutely. That's the that's one he he's wants. here for. Yeah, Correct. absolutely. I mean, I imagine what will happen is that they'll they'll appeal and they will at least get one season overturned, mm-hmm. right? So they might have one one year out of the Champions League. There is a chance, of course, that they get the whole thing overturned. In which case, business as usual. But Sane leaving, I don't think, is a huge loss. A uh, big fan of Sane, but you know, he, I think, he can be replaced more easily than a few others in that squad. That's for sure. I mean, yeah. obviously,
0: it's worth uh, pointing out that uh, David Silva is finishing at the end yeah, of the yeah. year obviously Phil Foden can step in but that that's still a big ask i mean foden you know it looks like he he will thrive but you know to to replace you know what david silva one of the best ever offer, premier league yeah, players it's, it's that that's still a huge ask so you know that'll be very interesting and you know it's the man city team is not particularly young kevin de bruyne turned 29 uh, over the weekend um Aguero's in his thirties now. It feels like every season, there's almost an assumption that you know it could be Aguero's last. Uh, you yep. know, Gabriel Jesus is. I I still don't know what it is he. I remain unconvinced what his qualities are as a as a forward. Um, I'm I'm not I'm not really a fan, and you know I, I do right. think if they were if things were different now, and you know um, they were. City was still in a tight title race with Liverpool. I think, you know, the prospect of going into these last kind of, you know, four or five games or, you know, six, seven games with only Gabriel Jesus would set the alarm bells ringing. So um, I think they've got a lot of things to look at. And and you're right, that question is, you know, they can bring in players like Foden and so forth, but it feels like they are going to have to make a couple of seismic moves just to sort of maintain that, you know, highest level of quality.
1: Yeah, particularly, I can't imagine Liverpool will go two uh, years in a row without strengthening. No. I, think so I, I imagine I have points. to sign yeah. somebody. Sorry, Martin.
2: No, no, I think you make, you make some absolutely spot-on points. You look at those players individually and you say, ah, oh, they'll survive without them, but you take them all away. And then you look at how, th- you know, Threadbare, just the, just uh, Silva and Aguero, they're, they're absolutely right, two of the greatest Premier League players of all time. And just the, the you know the peace of mind that that gives to have them there. You know you can start with Gabriel Jesus, absolutely, Gareth. But if you've got Agüero to come on, you always know that you've got to get of jail free card, maybe two, on the bench, and to not have that to maybe have some more untested players because you you think Foden Foden's going to be you know he could be a real box to box, all energy, all action player. That's great. The Premier League's packed with them. You know, when you're playing for Man City, you get more chances and his quality is there without a doubt. But there's great players that play, you know, there's great centre midfielders that play for Norwich. It's just, it's one of those ones where you put them in and around that Man City team, but to elevate them to the next level and to be the very best is picking
0: those, getting those players in is is going to be a real challenge. And, you uh, you know, one last bit before we, you know, I don't want to paint Man City as this team that, you know, going to be the league next year or in three years' time. But um, you know, they have a back four that is questionable.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, th- absolutely. And there was talk last week that um, they'll be trying to sign a, a, a centre-back. And, I mean, that has to be a priority, doesn't it? A centre-back. Uh, Laporte's very, very good. I think mean, he's one of the best in the league. But you, you cannot play him alongside uh, a makeshift centre-back in Fernandinho or... Or a pretend centre back in John Stones. I don't think you can do that for a full season. Uh, Kyle Walker, like you say, he's 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 a good player, but he's he's another one on that list of people getting a bit older now. And yep. I don't know how old he is actually. I think he's probably near thirty. Is he? I think he's thirty now, maybe twenty nine. Right. Um, but a lot of Mendy M- on, on the left has really, despite a fantastic first few months in in the country a couple of years ago, has absolutely fallen off a cliff. Um, so I think you can make an argument that they need. Three new players for that back four. Yeah. Um. It's, it's a bit, it's a big rebuild, and I'm not sure Pep is going to be around for that much longer. I think he. You know. Yeah. He, he only does four years, five years at a time, doesn't he? So, I I, what's he year now? Is this his third year? This is his fourth year? Uh, good question. I think it might be year four. So, I mean. You, you can't see him being here for 10 years, is my point. And I don't know if he's got it in him to do a whole rebuild. I don't know what's going to happen with them in terms of FFP. If they do get this Champions League ban, they're not going to go out and start spending 200 million quid, are they? So, it's, Wait, it's a
0: big so job. Sorry, just to clarify, FFP is fancy football points, yes?
1: Yes, sorry. I <laughs> said that. Um, um, well, it's, it's, it's a big job. And we talk about next season closing the gap on Liverpool. Um, we all assume it'll be Man City to be in the top two, but... You, you never know. I mean, there's other teams who look pretty good. Chelsea look like they're, they're, they're signing well in Ziyech and uh, Timo Werner, and it looks like more will join. Uh, United, to me, look like a completely different team to what we saw six months ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's there's actually some there's some strength in depth, and I'm hoping from a English football fan point of view that in the next season, two, three seasons, we'll see more dominance at European Champions League level. So um, it's it's good yeah. for us as a country uh, i'm not sure it's great for man city
2: well let's we're talking about teams that are doing well look at that. let's let's look at some players that are doing well, particularly the english ones and, and uh, danny ings had an, had an absolutely electric form at the minute and um, with some internationals around the corner gareth uh, w- what would you make of his form i
0: uh, i mean his 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 goal scoring has been no actually he really reminds me of uh, you know harry kane when you know, sort of two years ago where it felt like every time Kane touched the ball, he scored, you know, the range of goals and, you know, his movement is great. He seems to just create space with with his, uh, his movement. When he's on the ball, he always seems to find the right angle, shoots out. I thought his second goal uh, at the weekend was absolutely just superb. Uh, you know, just left to keep the keeper completely flat-footed. And um, it's, uh, you know, obviously Kane is going to get the... Uh, you know, benefit of the doubt for, for some time, and rightly so. But, um, you know, it's, I do think Vardy, I assume, sorry, Vardy, excuse me. I do assume Ings will be in the England squad, and I, I think, you know, he deserves, he definitely deserves maybe a start. I, I Absolutely. You, it, there's so many examples of players who have great seasons, um, strikers especially, who get those sort of end-of-year call-ups, and they don't really get the starts and then by the you know 12 months later, it's all gone away. And there's this kind of what if, um, you know, lots of Kevin Phillips moments and and players yeah, yeah. like that. And I, I do think that, you know, sometimes you want to catch lightning in the bottle. And, you know, I, I think with Southgate, perhaps he says, OK, you know, I'm going to start Ings for, for at least a game. And if he can get on the score sheet at, in an international friendly, he could leave with so much confidence. And suddenly you have a player you you can rely on, to Come into squads for the next season, and definitely you know, we talk about you know, sort of club making your national team like a club. And there's certain players you, you keep bringing in because you trust them for what they do for the national team. And you know, it feels like England have always been a little short of those, especially from non glamorous uh teams. And uh, I think Ings deserves a fair shout because. Yeah, you know, let's not forget. You know, he got a huge move to Liverpool, which was only derailed by injury. He he didn't Absolutely. fail from a playing perspective. He never got a chance. So there was there's always been a quality to him. So I hope it
1: continues. Yeah, too. I, I also think that Southgate has um, he's built a real energy within the England camp. He he's built a, a a philosophy of how to play, but also behind the scenes, he seems to be saying that uh, if you play well for your club, we will give you a shot. And this yeah. is a perfect litmus test for that. If if he doesn't do that, if he doesn't give Ings a, a a chance, I'm not sure actually what England's playing schedule is like over the next few months. I've got no idea. But assuming Danny Ings finishes the season strongly, and you know what, even if he doesn't, he has to give Ings an opportunity. He just has to, because otherwise it's we can't believe anything Gareth Southgate says again. Um, I think it's the only issue is that maybe there's a full season now between. Um, Danny Ings playing well at the moment and the next international tournament. So he's going to have to keep it up for a full season of the league. Because otherwise, I think he probably should be a, a shoe-in for the, the tournament this summer. Um, but why not? I mean, there's not. it's not as if England strikers are abundant at the minute. We've got Kane. Yeah, we've got Abraham. I'd take him. And then Ings has got to be in that list, doesn't he? I don't, I don't know who else you could even bring into that. Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. Well, you got you got on the 5th of September, they've got Iceland away. Then they've got... Denmark away on the 8th so they got back within three three days they've got two games so that's a perfect chance to, to play yeah, almost two different right. 11s you've got same in October you've got um, um, two Nations League matches well actually these are all Nations League matches they've got Belgium and Denmark at home mm. uh, so you've got like you've got you, you know if he can keep his form there's up, opportunity it, Yeah, there is opportunity there and, and um, it would be good to see and you make an excellent point about uh uh, being able, if you're in good nick for your club team, getting that opportunity. I remember Andy Cole saying that recently, just saying, you know, he he was like, you know, once the once Venables had picked his players, that was it. You know, you're not in, and and they want to get back to that. And he thinks Gareth, you know, Gareth kind of got that mentality, and and at yeah. the very least, you know, he's he gives people a chance. So and it, it's
1: go. also about showing that that the, the the sort of the bad old days of it being really cliquey within the England squad of Liverpool players, Chelsea players, United players, Arsenal players, that will. That that's going and that's being phased out. And if it means a player at Southampton, who no disrespect to that club, that they're not they're not an elite club. If someone who plays well for them can get an England call up and get regular game time for England, then that is something that uh, is great. And 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 going forward, it just means that players don't have to go to these so-called big clubs to get an England cap.
2: Yeah, great point. Great point. I'd, listen, let's have a look because um, as a Scotland fan, I can't believe I've get dragged into this chat because it's making me sick. Um, uh, both of you listening, uh, thanks for both of you joining us. Because um, I'd, I'd quite like to come back to have a look at the championship because I think that could be really tasty in the running uh, and something that we focus on a little bit more because um, just looks great, doesn't it?
0: Yes. Yeah, it's always. I mean, it's it is it is lovely. It's that you know, time of the year where you know, sort of, real fair weather watchers like me sort of start paying attention to the table and the results they come because it's always so dramatic. It's. It is an incredible league and, you know, I have lots of friends who follow various clubs who are sort of scrapping at this time of the year and I know it's not quite as fun for them when you're in the middle of it because, you know, as we know, you know, the playoffs are the cruelest and uh, for for fans, but yeah, it's going to be brilliant. I think especially with so much already being decided in the Premier League, I mean, there's really only the questions around the the Champions League spots perhaps. I, I think, you know, the relegation situation will probably become clear sooner rather than later so yeah i, I think the uh the playoff and uh promotion picture in, in in the championship especially is going to be fantastic
2: well brilliant thanks for joining us gareth uh, i hope we get, we get you back in the next week or two thank,
1: thank you so much for having me always a pleasure
2: no problem Cheers, mark i promise to finish my dinner next time before the pod
1: yeah if you would man this is really disrespectful to me and gareth and most importantly, you're just letting yourself down. And Leon, of course. Leo. You're letting everyone down, basically, that's what I'm saying.
2: Well, I think we'll leave it there. I was a whistleblower.
0: Wasn't that a great podcast? Now, if you've got 90 seconds spare in your day, come and listen to ours. It's called What Has He Said Now? and is available wherever you've got this
1: podcast. You're going to lose a number of people to the flu.